Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. All right, our scripture for this morning is Acts 2, 1 through 21. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's also on the screen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. And the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pentecost. More like Pentechaos, am I right? Conventional wisdom for preachers when writing a sermon is to say just one thing. Don't try to lay out a five-point plan or get bogged down in all the minutia of the text. Just say one thing and say it well. Well, how am I supposed to do that with this text? I mean, you'd think it'd be easy to preach Acts 2 because it's one of the few texts that we preach every single year, no matter what year it is. But even with like Christmas and Easter texts, all stories that we tell every year, at least we get some variety with the Gospels. You know, the Gospels change every year. 
but Acts 2 never changes. So in a way, I know exactly what to preach, but in a much more real sense, I have no idea what to preach. So come along for the ride to find the one thing for today. So the text begins, they were all together in one place. Okay, right off the bat, this is great. We're concluding our series today on what it means to be a Disciples of Christ Church. And today the theme is Ecclesia, the New Testament word for church. And Ecclesia literally means a gathering of the summoned. It's kind of spooky. So they were all together in one place for Pentecost, which was also known as the Festival of Weeks which was a Jewish agricultural festival celebrated 50 days after Passover. And if you remember, Passover celebrates the exodus from Egypt, so the Festival of Weeks celebrates the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So it was a day of religious renewal to the covenant God had made with Israel, and many had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for this festival, which explains why they are all gathered together in one place. And Today is really the perfect day to talk about Ecclesia, for it's the church's birthday. But this is a terrible birthday party. First of all, it's very early in the morning. Second of all, if my kid went to somebody's birthday party and everyone's head caught fire and were accused of drunkenness, (laughs) she would not go to that person's house again. So maybe that's not our one thing. Okay, so what about the fire angle? Let's lean into that. You know, if you look around the sanctuary, you'll see this common symbol, fire. Doesn't it look great? Looks awesome. And we have candles from the kids' class. So Pentecost is about fire. The Holy Spirit blows through through closed doors and lights little flames above everyone's head, like Miss Becky said. So following this train of thought about fires, what about this? So though the news outlets that we consume may differ, I think we can all agree that the world is on fire, right? And not like a cute campfire, but like a big old smelly toxic dumpster fire, like rats the size of German shepherds scuttling about, unpredictable sparks and booms, and the dumpster's on wheels, and it seems to be barreling toward us no matter which direction we go. The world is on fire, Divided tongues like fire rest on each person. There's there's something here, right? At least the fire is begging us to pay attention. The Holy Spirit in this story does not come like a dove or a gentle whisper. No, this time she's got a match and a mischievous grin. So what do the flames mean? Well, our text says that it meant the Holy Spirit filled the people and caused them to speak out in a diverse set of languages. And that's very cool and all, but that happened at Babel, so it's kind of unoriginal. But what's significant is that everyone was speaking their own language, but they were understood miraculously. What does being understood in your own language say about what God values? And if we think about the world being on fire, we might consider our call to pay attention to the hurts of the world as Christians. What do these various fires have to tell us? You know, what is the fact that the climate is literally warming at a dangerous rate tell us about what God values, about what we have done and left undone? Or 
consider the continued and ongoing epidemic of gun violence and mass shootings? What does this fire tell us about what God values and what we have done and left undone? Or the war in Ukraine, or the famine in Yemen, or the cartel violence in Venezuela, the marker of one million deaths due to COVID, one million American deaths, the children in detention camps along our border. The list is long, right? There's little fires everywhere and they're saying, pay attention, pay attention. But while this fire thing is a thing, I'm not sure it's our one thing, at least not today. So let's keep moving through the text. This is a text of diversity and that fits with our church theme. So let's explore that. They are in Jerusalem. And as a side note, there should always be like jazz hands and an angel chorus anytime the word Jerusalem is read in church. Okay, so I wanna see your jazz hands. Jerusalem. Very nice, thank you. Um, it's always important, okay? And it has been a multi-ethnic city for more than 3,000 years. It was multi-ethnic when David conquered it. It was multi-ethnic after he conquered it. It was multi-ethnic when the Babylonians captured it and then when the Persians took it from the Babylonians. And it was multi-ethnic when Jesus walked the streets and it is multi-ethnic in this text when the church is born in the fires of Pentecost. The text reads, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. Thank you. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. I feel like I need like a, a round of applause after reading that twice today. That's amazing. The trick is just to say it confidently. Yeah. And this actually kind of goes with the fire thing. Okay. In the same way a flame burns at different strengths and intensities and even different colors, considering what kind of fire it is, we too are fueled by the Holy Spirit and burn differently. So maybe the one thing is that we're supposed to be diverse because we've always been diverse. We are made up of people from every nation under the heavens. The Holy Spirit does not transcend our differences. Rather, she is within our differences. We are one body, one group of people all together in one place, but we are not the same. And the Holy Spirit allows us to not only speak, but also be heard and understood. And accordingly, we ask, what does this mean? So diversity, that's a good, that's a good one thing, right? Solid. But I still don't think it's our one thing today. So let's think. New wine. Okay, this is a laugh out loud part of the Bible. A crowd has gathered around this room of disciples and they are watching the chaos unfold, right? Fire, a riot of voices, confusion, knocked down goblets, broken plates everywhere. And understandably, they sneer and say, those people must be filled with new wine. And I love that Peter gets up immediately and says, no, no, it's only 9 a.m. Okay, that can't be it. Like there's a time for everything under heaven, including wine, but 9 a.m. ain't it. But it is the time for a prophetic word. He goes on to quote the prophet Joel. Young and old women and men, they will prophesy and dream, dream dreams and see visions. 
The Spirit will be poured out on all of them in the last days, which is a phrase Peter changes from the original text. And the last days is apocalyptic language, which means right now, imminent. And Peter looks around and thinks, you know, I've read about this. And he quickly pivots to a valid point. But I don't think the wine comment should be dismissed so quickly. Because we've heard Jesus talk about new wine before. It's a very interesting thing that the people have said. Right? They don't say they're drunk on wine, but that they're drunk on new wine, which is kind of right. It's an astute observation. Because do you remember what Jesus says about new wine? Can new wine go into old wineskins? No. And why is that? Because the old wineskins will burst. They can't stretch anymore. It cannot hold the new thing that is being poured into it. The new wine then will just be wasted. It'll be spilled on the floor. New wine has to be poured into new wineskins. The container that held the promise of love and abundance must change, must be made new in order to hold this new wine. And is that not what is happening here? I mean, Peter says it's not the proper time for drinking wine, but maybe he's wrong. Or maybe he doesn't see it. Because what is happening is new. New wine is being poured, and the container for this newness is changing with the birth of the church. I mean, Jesus' ministry began with the wedding at Cana, changing water into wine. And the church now begins with this accusation of being drunk on new wine. The proper time for new wine, for this prophetic imagination, is not a time that you can find on a clock or a calendar, because it's now. It's right now and eternal now. It is always now. I think we're getting closer to our one thing here. Because let's not forget our theme is Ecclesia, the church. And not just the church building or the 5013C, right? But the dynamic entity of the gathering of the summoned. I wonder if the trouble I'm having to nail down one thing is perhaps our one thing. Follow me here. There's a lot going on in this text. There's a lot of good words here, a couple of sermons at least, which is great because I'll be preaching this every year. But it's not even the abundance of things to see in this text that is overwhelming. It's that this text is chaotic. And it's not like the slow rollout of chaos. It is suddenly chaotic. And people are asking, what in the world is going on? And I don't know about you, but that feels like the most relevant piece of information to me right now. Relentless chaos, constant destabilization of what we've known and trusted in. But if we look a little closer at the blur before us, shapes start to form. The gathering, the fire, the diversity, the new wine, the familiar scripture. Because you see, the paradox of the history of the church is that while everything has changed since the time of Jesus, nothing has changed. 
The church has always been trying to learn to live in the world and to respond to the Spirit's movement from the very beginning. And if we just keep reading the story of the early church in Acts, we'll see the trend is something, something, Holy Spirit, people are bewildered, the gospel of Jesus Christ still spreads. The form is, that form goes over and over and over again. No one seems to know what they're supposed to be doing. There's patterns, to be sure, but just like we read a couple of weeks ago about Paul's visit to Philippi looking for a synagogue and then finding Lydia and her river gang, our best laid plans and routines are constantly disrupted by the Spirit of God. We are redirected and rerouted. What we expect to find and what we actually find is often different. But the key here is that the church keeps showing up. They keep gathering together for their religious observances. They keep letting the Holy Spirit do her thing and then asking the very, very wise question of discernment. What does this mean? And they keep returning to the scriptures together and interpreting them anew in light of recent events. And they keep working together to figure out what's next. And our call as the church is to keep being the ecclesia, the gathering of the summoned, to keep congregating and interpreting this summons, this call we have received in Jesus. We make this commitment in baptism. We keep this commitment each time we come to the table. And we are reminded on the church's birthday that sometimes our call is to let our heads catch on fire sometimes, to look closer at what we think is chaos and disruption in order to see the spirit moving, to heed the cries of the world, to attune our ears to the diverse experience of humanity and seek to understand even if it is not in our native tongue. I mean, Pride Month is a great month for that. How does the spirit move in a form that seems foreign to some of us? Because sometimes the most faithful thing that we can say is I do not understand you at all, but I'm listening because you are filled with the same Holy Spirit that I am. And we make way for new wineskins to receive the new wine that is being poured out to allow the container of what we think as church to change and grow and evolve. What is the church today? June 5th, 2022, 11.30 a.m. in Azel, Texas. We are all gathered together in one place. We've made our move. And now it's the Holy Spirit's turn. In just a few moments, Nicole and the choir will lead us in a song. And the deacons will come up and light their candle from our new Christ candle, the birthday gift to the church. And then they will light the first rose candle. And we invite you to pass on your flame to the row behind you as we sing together. And the words will be on the screen as we sing. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. 
Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.